far as for the game, so uh, Andy Dalton is going to start on Sunday, and Nick Foles is going to be his backup. Uh, Justin's making good progress, uh, just not there medically yet for the clearance. Welcome back to the second hour of our show. That was Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy today making the formal announcement, uh, the worst kept secret in sports. Andy Dalton's going to be the starter Sunday versus the Arizona Cardinals. Nick uh, Nick Foles will be number two. Justin Fields will be in street clothes. Guys, he broke his ribs uh, 13 days ago, and we clarified with Matt. I clarified with Matt during his press conference last Monday, I can't remember if it was Monday or Wednesday now, but but early, yeah, I guess it was Wednesday, that in fact the ribs weren't bruised, they weren't cracked, they were broken. Now, now that can still mean a couple things. You can have a straight line fracture where they're broken but still in place, or you can have a displaced fracture. With a displaced fracture, you, you can't, you, you shouldn't even walk because the, the, the risk of, you know, one of those jagged edges or something, you know, damaging a, an organ or something, you would never put them on the football field. But even with a straight line fracture where, the, where it's in place, I, I've broken ribs. I don't know how many of you have. And, and breathing is agony. You know, playing football is insane. And uh, I, I did a little research, checked the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, a few other places. They all agree that broken ribs generally take about six weeks to heal. But that's to heal pretty much completely and, and to allow you no limitation whatsoever. Uh, it, is, it is certainly more safe at four weeks or five weeks to consider a contact sport than it is, you know, at, at a week or two. But there's no way that they could put Justin Fields out there Sunday and, and look his mom and dad in the eye, if nothing else. It's just it's too dangerous. It's ridiculous. And, and, and I personally would be surprised if he played next week against the Packers. I, I think the big question here is what's the rush? What are you rushing to get him back for? What, it's going to slow his development even more? Uh, or, or he's going to miss out some, some critical you know, element of becoming a great quarterback, that that, that 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 one game is going to make a difference. If you believe that this kid is the future, as I do, then you take all precautions here. And, and so he was never going to play Sunday against the Cardinals. I can't be as certain uh, against the, the Packers. I mean, I've seen guys for a playoff game or in the playoff chase after three weeks try it. It's not necessarily a good idea. It's still going to hurt. Um, and I, I hope they don't do it. Uh, but um, we'll see Justin Fields again this year. There's six games left. I, I think the wisest thing to do is not even think about it for the Cardinals and the Packers and then maybe have them close to 100% uh, the week after the Packers and let them play the last four and see what happens. So 312-644-6767 is our phone number. The top of the hour is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. I am Hub Arkish with you for this hour. We're broadcasting live from the score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. And we're going to get right back to the phone lines where Kelvin is waiting in Naperville. Kelvin, thanks for dialing us up. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Can you hear me, Hub? Yeah, we got you. Okay. Uh, I got two points, actually. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a longtime diehard Bears fan. Um I was on the same fence as everyone else about getting rid of Nagy, getting rid of Pace, but I, I haven't heard anybody think about this. What if we kept Nagy and Pace, but we got a new offensive coordinator? So the coordinator, they're not doing Nagy scheme anymore. You know, this, this coordinator is going to run his own scheme. Nagy's going to be the head coach. We won't have that problem with Nagy anymore. He seems to be calm since he's just being a head coach instead of running plays. Also with that, 
what are the chances of the Bears switching their scheme from a 3-4 back to a 4-3 defense where you get Mac, you have Quinn, let those be your DNs. We had two huge defensive tackles, either, you know, while, while we're keeping, uh, keeping Hicks or putting Tonga or Goldman, and we just getting four fast, good linebackers, two safeties, two cornerbacks, and just starting over like that. And that's all. Well, all right, Calvin. Thank you for the phone call. I think to the first part, um, you know, anything's possible, but uh, I I suppose if you had a reason to believe it was a good idea, and George McCaskey said to to Matt Nagy, we're going to give you another year or three years, extend his contract, do whatever, but you've got to hire an offensive coordinator and completely turn the offense over to him, you know, at this point to save his job, I would guess Matt would do it, but, but I don't, I'm not sure what makes us think that's a good idea. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that, that Matt's only failing, you know, has been his scheme. And, and this is not Bill Lazor's scheme. I'm not sure why Bill Lazor is becoming the fall guy for this in that scenario. So um, if, if I will say this, I mean, Matt has done an outstanding job maintaining his locker room, maintaining the trust of his players. They love playing for him. You don't hear anybody bitching about him, and that's an important quality in a head coach, and it is an asset and a reason to consider keeping him, uh, but there's got to be more, you know, and, and, and I don't think that uh, his game management, it, it's gotten a little better since he handed off the play calling, but that there are still issues each week that we see on the sideline. Um, and then you get to the development of Justin. Now, if, if Fields, you know, really starts to bloom over these last six games, five games, four games, whatever he plays, then, then certainly, uh, you know, Matt is entitled to some credit for that. Uh, again, he is the guy that spent uh, Patrick Mahomes' rookie year grooming him too, even though it wasn't in live game action. But then doesn't Bill Lazor deserve some credit for that? And quarterback coach John DeFilippo. So I, I hear what you're saying. And the answer is, yeah, Kelvin, it's a possibility. But I, I'm trying to piece together the puzzle that says it's it's the best idea or that it makes the most sense. I mean, you know, if Matt in his meeting and his, his, I wouldn't call it an exit meeting if the decision hasn't been made yet, but if he sits down with George to, to come to the final conclusion and he gets a chance to state his case and he says, I want to make a change with my offensive coordinator and, and, and go to a slightly, to a somewhat different scheme, that might be something that George McCaskey would want to weigh. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think we're working awfully hard to find a way. And then I get to your, to your second question. And again, I, the answer is, yeah, you could do it, but why? Uh, you know, I, playing a 3-4 is not the problem. And, and in fact, the strong trend around the NFL right now is the 3-4 defenses. Almost everybody's playing them. And, and you know, it's been cyclical over the, the life of the 3-4. goes back to the 70s and 80s when only a few teams played it, you know. And, um, and then there was a time when everybody was, not everybody, but the, but the majority were playing it in the 90s. And then it swung back to the 4-3 in the early aughts, and now in recent years, it's swung dramatically back to the 3-4 again. And when you look at the way the Bears roster is constructed, um, you know, the, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn could play anywhere on a football field, but their best position is outside rush linebacker in a 3-4 defense. And, and you know, Akeem Hicks, and, and I love Akeem, and I would love to see him back, but it just doesn't seem likely at this point. Uh, but let's say that he is. Um, he and Eddie Goldman and, and Kyrus Tonga um, and Bilal Nichols, they're almost all anchor tackles. You know, they're, they're not all pure nose tackles. Uh, Akeem Hicks could be. Eddie Goldman obviously is. Kyrus Tonga is in a 30 front. 
But but if you're going to play a 40 front, then you got to go find a three technique because none of these guys you know fit that. And and, and you know Mack and Quinn are, Quinn's a natural right end in a 40 front, but 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 Khalil Mack is not a natural defensive end. So um, I, you know the personnel you have on the roster doesn't fit it, and there's no evidence to suggest that four three defenses are more successful in the NFL than three fours right now. I mean. Uh, so it, you know, it's a tough case for, for me to make. I, I appreciate the call and I get your thoughts, but you know, that, that's the most objective answer I can give you on that one. The other thing you got to remember is just because you're a three, four base package, which the bears are, if you check the snap counts and the formations, they're in a 40 front, a four man line, not always three linebackers behind them, but they're in a 40 front about 60, 65% of the time. So even when you're playing three, four, uh, you, you're in essence playing some some four three schemes. So it, it sounds to me like a lot of work for an uncertain end, um, and and probably not the best way to go about it. Let's go out to Iowa and get Darren on the show. Darren, how you doing tonight? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Hob. Sure. Um, I got a I got a good question. When do you think we're going to see Kevin Jenkins out there? We're going to see him this year, or we're going to wait until next year? And I got one other thing to say, Hob about that Khalil Mack trade. We won that trade by a long way because you got to remember, we gave up two first round draft picks. But 2020 draft, we got the Oakland second round draft pick and we got Cole Komet. So mm-hmm. that's what I want to say. Thank you. Thank you for adding that, Darren. That was something that I forgot. Uh, you know, and, and, it just, and it's not even really a conversation, but the, you got the haters out there who want to find something wrong with everything. And so, uh, you know, we, we can just let that one go. Um, uh, you know, as far as Tevin Jenkins, I, you know, I don't know if you heard the news today, but he is being activated tomorrow. He's coming off injured reserve and he'll be put on the 53-man roster. That does not guarantee that he won't be inactive on Sunday. You still have six guys who don't dress. We we don't know yet. Matt Nagy was not committing to that for Sunday's game against the Cardinals, but they wouldn't be activating him off the eye. Now, now they had to make a choice because the deadline to activate him was 3 o'clock Chicago time on Monday. And had they not activated him by then, he then would have been done for the year. So they had to make the choice tomorrow. That doesn't mean he's going to start playing football on Sunday or even a week from Sunday in Lambeau Field. But since they're making the choice, it's obviously they intend. It's obvious they intend to get him on the field sometime this season. So uh, I expect we'll see Tevin Jenkins in the next couple of weeks. In what role is a little unclear right now. Jason Peters, guys, is playing at a high level. I mean, he's not necessarily at the Hall of Fame level that he was at in his prime. Um, uh, he's not necessarily one of the top two, three left tackles in the game, but he's definitely in the upper echelon right now. He's playing very good football. And so, uh, you know, regardless of whether it's the veteran Andy Dalton who's not as mobile or even more importantly, uh, your future in Justin Fields, who probably is going to be back out there before his ribs are completely healed. Uh, do you want a rookie who's never played the position at this level, you know, guarding their blind side, or, or do you want to keep Peters out there? plus the leadership that Peters gives you and, and the way he helps out the rest of the offensive line. So I don't think you're going to see him sit down Jason Peters to play Tevin Jenkins anytime in the near future. Now, I've talked about this, Darren, and when we talk about the future, I, I kind of think that at this point, I'm not sure that Larry Borum doesn't have a slightly higher ceiling on the left side than Jenkins. And, and if they ended up with bookend tackles at a Pro Bowl level or something near it, with Borum on the left side and Jenkins on the right side, I don't think anybody would be too upset about that. Or even if Larry Borum became a very good left tackle, if not a pro bowler, 
but Tevin Jenkins became a dominant right tackle, which is what he looked like to me coming out of Oklahoma State. Again, that wouldn't be a problem. And, and so uh, my guess is that they, it's not a guess, they're going to activate Jenkins tomorrow. I think it's 50-50 as to whether he dresses Sunday. But I suspect by a week from Sunday, he'll be ready to dress and be the swing tackle, the backup tackle. He gives him better depth. He'd certainly rather have him in, a, in uniform than Elijah Wilkinson, who I think is is still not eligible anyway. And you've still got Jermaine Effetti on the injured reserve list. So, um, uh, you know, I, I think you'll probably see him, if not Sunday, a week from Sunday, dressed as the backup swing tackle. And then you wait and see. You hope that neither Peters or Borum gets hurt. But if one of them gets nicked, then he goes in. Um, or depending on how Borum's play continues, uh, or if you lose a couple games, then you just say, hey, Jason, thanks, but we're going to let you watch for a little while. Uh, so sometime in the next couple weeks, I think, is when you'll see him actually on the field in a game. Uh, but, Darren, he is being activated tomorrow. So, um, Elliot, I'm going to ask you to hang on out there in Elgin for just a moment. We're going to take another quick commercial break here. we got to pay the bills, folks. Uh, the phone number, 312-644-6767. I think we might have one or two lines open right now, so dial us up and get in. Uh, again, 312-644-6767, the numbers for your phone calls, or you can text us at that number and join us in the text zone. Brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. You're listening to Chicago's favorite all-sports radio station, 670 The Score, and we are back in just a moment. Probably just the communication with, I mean, in a quick, short-time turnaround like that, the communication with the coaches as far as, you know, what we're looking to do game, game plan-wise. And then with the players, it's just, you know, whether it's the simplicities of the different cadence, voice inflection between him and Justin, Sim simple stuff like that. So, But as far as improving, Andy's been in this league a long time. He's seen a million different defenses. He's been in a bunch of different huddle breaks and different calls at the line of scrimmage. So a lot of times there's is more of him just being able to run it. And there's not a lot of, you know, he's, he's been there, done that. We, Bill and I know that. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking today about the advantages of Andy Dalton having his first full week of practice since the Cincinnati Bengals game when he got injured early in the second quarter, week two of the NFL season. Uh, what might Dalton have gotten out of this week to have him better prepared for Sunday than he was uh, coming off the bench versus Baltimore and then going into Detroit when they had no practice because of the short week. So uh, those thoughts from the head coach on Andy Dalton. Uh, this is Hub Arkish broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers. And we are now going to jump right back to our Score listener line, which is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And we're heading out to Elgin, where Elliot is on the BetQL listener line. Elliot, thanks for calling. I hope you're having a great night so far. Certainly. Hope you are, too. Thank you. So when you see uh, a question about uh, Mac Jones here, um, what, if you remember Chad Pennington, how how good do you think he would have been had he been drafted into the Patriots and uh, coached by Belichick the majority of his uh, career? <laughs> Elliot, I'm laughing because it, it's a great question about a lot of quarterbacks. You know, it's a, I mean, Belichick, there's almost nothing you can't debate and, and have a fun you know, uh, debate and conversation disagreement about when it comes to sports. But I think one that's tough is that Bill Belichick isn't the greatest coach in the history of the game. And, and you know, um, how much 
of his success is Tom Brady? How much of Tom Brady's success is Bill Belichick? I'll never be able to answer that question because Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback in the history of the game, arguably the greatest player in the history of the game. Those seven rings, six of which they shared, tell us everything we need to know. But let's not forget that you know Brady missed basically one season where he tore the ACL, he goes down, and what happens? Suddenly Matt Castle is a Pro Bowl quarterback. And then Castle lands a big contract as a result and goes on to be a very average quarterback elsewhere. You know, And then it, it took you know almost 20 years of Brady before we saw somebody else, and now we see what he's doing with Mac Jones. I look at a guy like Chad Pennington, who was extremely competent in the NFL and, and had some winning seasons with the Jets, but just never became the guy. And certainly the, the, the Jets coaching history is not uh, you know stunning or, or all that impressive uh, over the last couple decades. So I, I think you ask a great question. Chad Pennington might have been a perennial pro bowler working with, and it's by the way, it's not just Bill Belichick. It is Josh McDaniels too. And, and, and for whatever quirky personality Bill Belichick has, uh, Josh McDaniels is a really spooky guy, but but when it comes to being an offensive uh, savant, if you will, McDaniels has got that too, and, and so the combination of the two is, is rare. Now, I, I, Mac Jones might be a good NFL quarterback wherever he goes, but he is not the athlete, doesn't have the traits or all of the talents of a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence or a Trey Lance. I, Zach Wilson's an outlier for me because I... I, I never understood what made him the second overall pick in the draft, why anybody would take him ahead of Justin Fields or Trey Lance, for that matter, is a bit of a mystery to me. I know he you know, he makes some special throws from weird angles and, and things like that, but when you look at the complete package, he just didn't have, for me, the resume that, that the other three did. And, and Trey Lance I didn't trust because he only had 17 starts at a, at a FCS school, you know, and a, a rare athlete, you know, and great talent, but we've seen a lot of those guys come and go. So, uh, you know, from where I sit, it was always a Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones draft, and it always appeared that Jones would be the most successful early, but the two guys with the huge upsides are, are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and, and I'm not going to try and rewrite history here. I, I, I've always had Lawrence 1 and Fields 2 just because they're, they're relative college careers. They have been you know, dog-eat-dog competitors going back to high school where they've been joined at the hip. And and, and Justin's talked about that a little bit. Um, I think both of them are probably going to be great quarterbacks in the NFL at some point. Uh, and, and I think that Justin Fields has a chance to be the best. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, thank you for the call, Elliot. Uh, I do appreciate it. I, and I, when you talk to Brandon, uh, Brandon Fryer, my producer, doing such a great job behind the glass tonight, uh, Elliot had also mentioned something that I was kind of looking forward to talking to. To Brandon, a uh, question about the Bears going for the field goal on first down against the Lions. Um, you know, I did not like the way Matt finished off that game in the last 56 seconds. I didn't understand it at all. Um, I know after losing in the last minute to Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you didn't want to take a chance on it happening again if you scored with time left on the clock. But you also took a tremendous risk. You know, even a chip shot field goal, I believe the, 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 the stats or the algorithm on that was a 96% chance of success. That means there's a 4% chance of failing by running it down to one second and just going for that kick. And this is the team that lost a playoff game on a double doink. So they've hit four percenters before. Uh, with that running game against the Lions, why they didn't try and run the ball into the end zone and risk giving uh, you know, Jared Goff the ball with 30 seconds and no timeouts and having to go the length of the field, 
that's what I would have done, but it worked out. And so I'm not going to, I'm not criticizing so much as just saying I said it at the time. Um, that's the way I would have done it. And I, I thought Elliot was going to ask about that. So, uh, but thank you, Elliot. You had a great call uh, on a different subject. Let's go to Wrigleyville, one of my favorite places in the world. And actually, Derek, uh, hold on with me for one second. Derek's in Wrigleyville. It reminds me, I had a texture here before, and I meant to get to him in the uh, Hyundai Tech Zone, the, the Rosen Hyundai Tech Zone. Wanted to ask me, as a Cubs fan, how would I feel about Craig Kimbrell coming back to the Cubs? And it's a fascinating question because I don't know what happened with the White Sox, you know, and I don't know what happened when he first got to, to, to Wrigley Field. Um, and I know some want to make the argument it just shows you how much better the American League is. I don't buy that at all. I think the American League is probably the better league. Um, but the, they're not the World Series champs right now, and they're not that much better to explain what happened to Craig Kimbrell because I got to say, you know, if he wanted to come back, what he did the first half of this season, that was historic, you know, the way he was pitching. And, and he is, you know, a, a legitimate Hall of Fame consideration based on the career he's had. And and if if Jed Hoyer and his folks thought that they had some answers as to, you know, where these blips have come from, and there was the chance to bring him back, probably at a more reasonable price than what he's going to be owed this year by the White Sox, yeah, I'd bring him back. I don't know how you could have watched him the first half of the year and say you wouldn't, but you'd also have to be terribly concerned because when he's been bad, he's been bad. But man, when he was good, he was really great. So, uh, Derek, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked there, but I, I noticed that text before and I wanted to deal with it. How you doing tonight? The last Wait. caller was fantastic and right on. Um, on a lot of things he was saying, I kept nodding my head like, yep, yep. And I just want to say that I totally agree with him about the Justin Fields and I do believe that when it comes to quarterback and, and having the, making the right choice, I couldn't agree more that Justin Fields had, had the better college career. And when you look at Mac Jones, he was surrounded with a lot of first-rounders. First um, he was surrounded by a lot of elite talent. So I don't know if you can really trust Mac Jones in the long run because based on kind of his entire team – and I want to just kind of mention as well that I do believe that when you draft a quarterback, the system does play a big factor. I think the results of Brady, certainly he's an elite, the best quarterback of all time. But his early years was really about the system and the defense that Parcells helped build that made them win, you know, the 2000, 2001. Remember when Bledsoe went down, he won a critical game in the AFC championship game. He gets into the Super Bowl. And then obviously the rest of history is Brady had an amazing career. So what concerns me with right now is a little bit is with Pate, Ryan with Ryan Pace and and Nagy is that I'll give some examples that kind of bother me a little bit. The first one being that we we picked um, Eddie Jackson over Amos. How did that work out? I mean Amos brings it. I don't know if you guys saw the fourth and one play where he he just he, he stuffed the guy. Eddie Jackson misses more tackles than anyone on our football team. He was. He had the benefit of having Vaggio, um, seeing the back end results of the Vaggio led defense that sent pressure, and yes, he had a lot of pick sixes that you know were shiny and looked great. But you look at his play by play, he misses a tackle multiple times every every game. Well, Derek, you know that was true the second half of 2019 and last year. Um, but if you go back to 2018, it wasn't true, nor was it in the first half of 2019. 
And I, I, there is not a personnel person in the NFL who would have chosen Adrian Amos over Eddie Jackson at the end of 2018 when Eddie Jackson was first team all pro and Adrian Amos was his sidekick. You know, Adrian Amos is a nice football player. Uh, but he's I'd never been to a Pro Bowl and may never go to one. He's not at that level. He, he's, he's a very nice football player, um, and he's got excellent leadership skills, and, and it's worked out really well for the Packers, and I'm happy for Amos because he's a great guy. Um, but, you know, you, you're, you're kind of trying to rewrite history here. We didn't know that Eddie Jackson was going to get paid and kind of disappear, which is what happened, you know, for the most part last year. I'm not saying it was because of the money or that he quit or anything like that, but that was kind of the end result. And and he actually had been playing much better football this year again uh, until he had the hamstring injury. And, and so he's still not back to where he was in 2018. Um, uh, so, you know, with all the things that, that you can criticize Ryan Pace for. I think you, you've you've stumbled onto one that he deserves a ton of credit for. I mean, he found this guy in the fourth round, and he becomes a first-team All-Pro a year later, and very deservingly so, by the way. And yes, you know, uh, hey, turnovers, there's, there is an element of luck involved. You do have to be in the right place at the right time. But when you go back and look at the tape and the way he was playing, he was the one creating a lot of those turnovers with the plays he was making and the breaks he was making on the football. And that guy, I think, is still in there somewhere we were seeing signs of that this year prior to the hamstring injury and so I'm hopeful that he can get back there for a few years but even the way they're playing right now I would just as soon have Eddie Jackson as Adrian Amos and there was just no way you know because Amos became a free agent after the 18 season he's free again this year he signed a three-year deal 27 million this is the last year uh, unless you know he decides to stay in Green Bay he's back on the street so we'll see what happens with him uh, but but Amos is a, is a really good kid and a really nice football player who's never approached the level of what Eddie Jackson did uh, for the Bears in 2018. So thank you for the call, Derek. I do appreciate it. Uh, we got time for one more. Herb is in South Holland, and if you guys want to join our caller list, it's 312-644-6767. We got plenty of time, about a half hour left to take a bunch more calls. So dial us up, 312-644-6767. Let's get out to South Holland and welcome Herb in. Herb, how you doing tonight? Hello, Herb. Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Right. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good, good. Herb, first of all, I want to start this off with you are the man, and <laughs> I love your insight. Now, my point for calling was if, in fact, George McCaskey, and I believe he did this. He made Nagy start Justin Fields when he clearly wasn't ready. I mean, he's he's got talent. He's got potential. He's doing a lot of good things that are going to be good later. But Nagy's hands were kind of tied. He didn't really have a choice in the situation. I said I'm a big Nagy fan because I've seen some things on the sidelines that I don't appreciate. But if they had a went with his initial plan, might they be better off now? Well, Herb, obviously I think so. I mean, I've been saying it for the last four or five weeks now. By better off, um, you know, I, I think that they'd be probably sitting in a wild card spot right now, maybe the seventh or sixth seed, certainly in a better position to con- contend for that. Um, part of the problem, though, is that, is that to, to say that I'm predicting 
the way that Andy Dalton would have played. And, 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 you know, the few signs we've seen is that he would have played well enough for that to do, but it's an awfully small sample size. I do think, however, that Justin Fields would be just as far along as he is now and possibly even in a better place and better suited to head into an off season where you finish the job. And then by early next year, you've got your franchise quarterback playing at that level. Uh, and so my argument from the beginning has been about the best way to get Justin Fields to his ceiling at the earliest possible date. And, and so, um, uh, you know, all, it's based on some assumptions. I, I'm not going to pretend it's not. Um, but I just don't think they've done Fields any favors by, by the way they have forced him out there. Now you've got the argument about whether, you know, it's the scheme or whether it's him or whether it's the play calling. Uh, you know, it's all of the above, but mostly it's just his inexperience. And, and so, um, uh, you know, as far as how that impacts Matt Nagy, that's what makes this so interesting to me. I, I mean, there are other things about Matt that he's done that I think were big mistakes and 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 possibly fireable fences. I, I just I, I think he spent too much time the first three years focusing on being the head offensive coordinator instead of the head coach, you know, and that's not the job he was hired to do. And I think he has nobody but himself to blame for that. And he's kind of been his own worst enemy. But again, he has done some very good things, too, in terms of the, the way his players play for him, the way he's run his operation. The other thing, you know, and this is not an excuse by any means because it's exactly the same for all 32 teams, but the, the, the thing that, that, that fans like to completely ignore, they don't ignore it for themselves. They just ignore it for Matt Nagy and athletes and, and, and celebrities who they think have it better off than them. Working under these COVID conditions is no way to measure the true ability of a player or a coach. Playing and working in the NFL last season in this has been radically different, completely unlike anything that happened in the first 98 years of the league. And so you, they, they have to be judged by it because that's all we've got. And, and you know, again, it's been the same for everybody, and, and some have done better than others. Although, really, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I led the show off by saying... How is it that it doesn't matter anymore if you play on the road or at home? Right now, going into the weekend, the road team is 92-91 and 91 in, in the first 183 games, okay? That's unheard of, winning 50% on the road. And, and, and part of the explanation I thought might be just because everybody's so even, but maybe that's the best explanation as to why everybody's so even, because everything they're doing and working under these different circumstances with these different protocols have really changed the job. Now, whether that is something that, that George McCaskey should weigh as he weighs the future of, of Ryan Pace and, and, and Matt Nagy or not, I don't know. You know, I'm not saying it is, but you can't ignore it. And, and so uh, I, I do think it's it's one more point, Herb. So thank you for the call. Uh, Doug, Mike, we're going to let you guys wrap it up after we get through one more break. But uh, we do have time actually for one or two more if you want to dial us up at 312-644-6767. We'll get you on right after Doug and Mike right here at Chicago's number one rated all-sports radio station, 670 The Score. Four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears uh, would shut them down that way? No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like a We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Thanks, Coach. 
Oh, everybody owes a Christmas thank you to my man, Brandon Fryer, our producer tonight behind the, the glass. Pulls out the epic Dennis Green rant against the Bears from that 2006 miraculous second half comeback led by Devin Huster, Hester and Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher. 26 tackles in that game that night from Brian Erlacher. And uh, uh, the late Dennis Green, uh, actually, it's, it's ironic. Um, uh, early in my career at Westwood One, after I left the Bears broadcast booth, uh, I spent a season working the sidelines on Thursday nights uh, with Ian Eagle and Dennis was Dennis Green was our color commentator. We were a broadcast team for that season. I can't remember which year it was. It might have been 07. He might have gotten fired after that year. Um, and Dennis, nice man, uh, you know, and, and very sadly left us as early as he did. But that one of the great uh, coach rants in any sport of all time. It was almost Leah Leah Aless. Yeah. How do I want to say that? Leo, Leo, esque Is that what I'm trying to say? Uh, but thank you, Brandon. Thanks for pulling that one out. A great moment in Bears Cardinals history. Let's hope we can see some of that on Sunday. We'll see. Hey, guys, I'm going to get to the phones. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes to wrap it up here. But before we do, I want to go in the tech zone one more time. Brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Normally, I go to the tech zone because people want to use language about me they can't use on the air. Um, but, but for whatever reason tonight, there, there, there's been a nice number of a very kind comments. And I'm not going to read any of them. That's just self-serving and arrogant. But I want to thank you all. Uh, you know, some of you have had some nice things to say, and I just want to say thank you very much for uh, for being so kind and so complimentary. And I do want to get. We had one listener who was paying attention. Uh, I threw that stat out about the last 13 years, the number of rookie quarterbacks who've taken a team to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Uh, it's three right now, uh, led by uh, Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but this 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 texter wants to know: Wasn't Kyle Orton a rookie with the Bears? He was, and it was 2005, so it was outside or prior to the window I'm talking about, but he did not win a playoff game. Uh, they went 11-5 and five that year, got to the playoffs, and then got upset in the first round by the Carolina Panthers in a huge game from Steve Smith. But uh, good call. You were close on that, and, and that does make sense. And then one other one here, uh, Hub, was wondering, would you like to see Jim Harbaugh not as coach of the Bears, but president of football operations? He's a talent builder and a former Bear. What do you think? Um, Jim, as I've talked about on the air here, and I guess many of you know just from following us over the years as a friend, as a matter of fact, we've had some brief exchanges earlier this week about that incredible Michigan win over Ohio State uh, last Saturday. They, of course, will play for the Big Ten Championship tomorrow night at 6 o'clock our time in Indianapolis against the Iowa Hawkeyes. My answer to the question is no. I, I, I do think that should Jim win a national championship at Michigan, and he hasn't told me this, but this is just my knowing the guy and reading him, he's probably the most competitive human being I've ever met in my life. And I do think that if he accomplishes all his goals, which is not just winning the Big Ten championship tomorrow night, but at some point this year or in the next few years wins a national championship, I think he would be open to coming back to the NFL because of how competitive he is. I know he wants that Super Bowl ring, but I think Jim's strength is as a coach. Uh, we, we don't have any... He now, he did do a remarkable job of revamping his program in this one-off season with all the changes he made after last year, and he took a pay cut and said, I want to stay you know, a Wolverine. Um, so I guess from an administrative point of view, you do give him a ton of credit for what he's gotten done this year, but it was still, you know, it, it's not pro football. There's no salary cap. There, there, there's no free agency. Um, you know, there's no draft. It's a very different situation. Jim is a football coach. 
And, and I think that there's a chance that Jim Harbaugh will be back in the NFL someday, but I think he would be best served to be back as a head coach and, and not necessarily as a front office guy. Now let's get to our callers who've been waiting patiently. First up, it is Doug in North Lake. Doug, how you doing tonight? Real good. I have a concern, and I want a clarification on the future of Khalil Mack, and I want to preface that by two points that I've just heard recently. Ed Bradovich said that if it's the injury he thinks it is, Khalil Mack has played his last down in the NFL. And then neither yesterday or today I read that Khalil Mack sold his Glencoe mansion. Mm-hmm. So... What's going on with Khalil Mack? All right. Well, Doug, first of all, nobody loves OB more than I do, but I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Um, uh, Khalil Mack played three weeks with that injury before, you know, missing a couple of games and deciding for the surgery. And as I talked to Sean Desai about this yesterday, Sean pointed out, I didn't even realize this, he was on a record career pace for quarterback sacks this year. Um, everything that we've been led to believe is it was a fairly common uh, foot injury and surgery. Now, there's nothing common once you have surgery, but nothing to indicate that his career is over. And in fact, the reason they finally decided to do it is because he was playing so well when it happened, they wanted to give him as much rehab time to come back and have another all-pro season next year. So I'm not saying OB is wrong. He may know something I don't know, but but I nobody that I know of has heard anything resembling that. So so that's some speculation on, on Ed's part. Um, as far as Khalil Mack, he sold his mansion in Glencoe because he bought another one downtown. So, um, you know, when you have a $140 million contract with $90 million of it guaranteed, you can afford to mess around with $5, $6 million properties. So there's nothing that should be read into that either. Uh, you saw the sale part. Obviously, you didn't see the purchase part. My understanding is he bought half the top floor of a downtown high-rise to build a, a phenomenal penthouse of some kind. So uh, I think Khalil will do just fine that way, too. Let's get out to Rockford and welcome Mike into the show. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Hub, how are you? Good, um, thank you. Hub, I got a regarding um uh, i always say this because my I, because the bears have been so bad for so long my only enjoyment is watching the packers choke in the playoffs uh they win the division all the time um and i know i've asked you last time i called but i want to ask you as we progress this week in the nfl watching the cowboys defeat the saints what what team in the nfc do you believe can give the packers the you know could give them the bet could beat them uh do you think it's the bucks is it the cowboys is it the cardinals um, and, and then the other question I have is Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers don't win and they choke in the playoffs again and they don't at least get to the Super Bowl, do you see Aaron Rodgers? I know he's so unpredictable and there's no telling what this guy's going to do. But do you see it possible that he's going to actually leave and we as Bear fans can take a huge breath and a sigh of relief and say, now it's Justin Fields' time to shine? Well, Mike, thank you for the phone call. First of all, it's not up to Aaron Rodgers. He's under contract through next year and beyond, and it's up to the Packers whether they're willing to part ways with him and ready to. So we'll we'll see, you know, what they think and if they cross that bridge, you know, when they come to it. Um, and, and I don't think it's fair to say they choke in the playoffs. I don't think they're one of the best teams when they get to the playoffs. They get there because they have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But once you get to you know, divisional playoff games and NFC title games. Now you're talking about the best of the best and they just run into better football teams. And so who could beat them right now? I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a better team than they are right now. Uh, Record wise, the Arizona Cardinals are a better team. Are they a better football team on the field? 
haven't seen them play. We won't until the playoffs if they meet in the playoffs, but Cardinals certainly have the horses to do it. And I'll tell you what, the 49ers who've trashed them in the playoffs a couple times, the way they're playing right now, I'm not sure the 49ers couldn't beat them. Uh, uh, I don't trust the Dallas Cowboys. I've said since the jump, they're the most overrated team in the league. I know they looked better again last night, but let's not forget that the Saints are struggling, did not have a starting caliber quarterback under center. That's not who Taysom Hill is. Um, and their defense hasn't been playing as well lately. So I give the Cowboys credit. They, they, they needed a win and they got it in hostile territory. They're going to win that division. Um, but I think in order, the teams with the best chance to beat the Packers in the playoffs right now are probably the Bucks and, and then the, the Cardinals and then the 49ers. And I don't rule the, the Packers chances out against any of them. You know, we got to wait and see what happens. Do they get Bakhtiari back? And who is he when they get him back? Cause the loss of Elton Jenkins, their second best offensive lineman has got to hurt. Um, so we'll let that play out and see what's next. We got time for one more, and Renard is our last caller tonight. He's in Bronzeville. So, Renard, thank you for your patience. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great, Hub. How about yourself, man? Good, thank you. Great, great. Uh, really quickly, so just want to touch on a couple things, and you kind of took my thunder on one of my points, but it's all good. I'm still going to push it out. Uh, my first thing is I'm hearing some rumblings that, potentially if the bears let Matt Nagy go, there is still a chance that they would retain Ryan pace. I really think that that's an incredibly wrong move for the bears to even consider. And I think moving forward, um, it's time for them to really sit back and take a look from an organizational standpoint and really figure out, okay, what are we doing? Find an identity, find a leader of men, you know, as far as the coach and really have somebody in the front office in the GM position to really take control and get the organization to a better direction. So I want to see what you hear. I mean, hear what you've got to say about that. But also um, my dream scenario is for Jim Harbaugh to not only win the Big Ten championship tomorrow night, but qualify for the playoffs win the entire national championship this year and be the next coach of our Chicago Bears. Want to hang up and hear your thoughts about that. Well, Renard, thank you for the phone call. And, and hey, we, we can all have dreams, you know, and it doesn't sound that bad to me. Uh, I'll tell you, that what I'm hearing from my sources is that no decisions have been made final, but irrespective of the status of Matt Nagy, that it's a little better than 50-50 at this point that Ryan Pace is going to be staying. Uh, I don't think that they've ruled out the possibility of a reorganization of some kind, bringing in another top football guy to work with him or even above him. I, I think that's on the table. But what I'm hearing is, is that Ryan is probably going to be you know, surviving uh, this season to, to be a bear going forward. And it could very well be still as the top football guy in the organization. I, I think the McCaskies uh, have, a, have a fair amount of, of respect for what he's done uh, for whatever their reasons. I'm not commenting on it. I'm reporting what I'm hearing. Um, and, and I think the case, I will comment to say that I think the case can be made. Now, you know, I, I think you can see it both ways, but I, I think that's most likely what happens. As I talked about a few minutes ago, and this is not from anything that Jim has told me. We haven't really been in touch all that much uh, the last year or two. We used to be in touch a lot more. 
Uh, I was in touch with him earlier this week because I couldn't help but congratulate him and thank him for what he did for my Wolverines. I guess you all know by now I'm a Michigan alum, uh, and this has just been great fun. But, you know, the, the, the scenario you just laid out is not that far-fetched. I, I, if you'd have asked me prior to last Saturday in that Ohio State game, could Michigan play with Georgia or Alabama, I would have said no way. Now I'm not so sure, but first they've got to get by Iowa. So let's not get ahead of ourselves, Renard, because Iowa's a pretty good football team. Uh, Michigan's a favorite. I think they will win the game, but until they do, the rest is all conjecture. Should that happen? Should they win a national championship this year? As I just said, you know, 10 minutes ago, I think if Jim eventually wins a national championship at Michigan, the urge to get to the NFL will be there for him. Whether the Bears job will be open and whether that is his dream job, that I cannot say. We've never talked about it, so I would only be guessing and speculating, and I would never put him in that position. But I will tell you, you know, it's certainly not out of the realm. It's not that far-fetched. So uh, I guess, Renard, that means all you Bears fans should be with me. Go Blue! Let's hope Michigan gets a win over Iowa tomorrow, and then we'll take it from there. Guys, I want to thank everybody for being with us tonight. Brandon Fryer is the best. Uh, Did an outstanding job behind the glass, and the dials getting y'all on the show. Thank you so much, Brandon, and especially pulling out the Dennis Green cut. How could we go into the weekend and get ready for Bears Cardinals without that? For now, the CBS Sports Radio Network is next right here at 670 The Score. I thank you all so much for being with me tonight. Have a great weekend, everybody, and let's see what the Bears can do against the Cardinals Sunday at Soldier Field. 